Life's too short. Life's too damn short. So, eat everything. Try anything. Exercise. Experience all that life has to offer. Here's exercise physiologist, medical journalist, and healthy talk host, Melanie Cole, MS. As summer comes to an end and we all decide it's time to pour ourselves into work, we don't take so many vacations, there's not so many excuses to get up and leave work for an early and long weekend, it really can make you feel stressed. I myself am feeling this right now as it starts to come to an end and and I realize, wow, there's not that much to look forward to coming up. But if you can find outlets of creativity, that can help you with that motivation and some positive thinking. My guests to tell us how to do that today, Dr. Carrie Barron, she's the director of the Creativity for Resilience program at Dell Medical School in Austin. And Dr. Alton Barron, he's a board-certified orthopedic surgeon. So, Carrie, I want to start with you, and I'm sure letting the listeners know I'm calling you both by your first name, even though you are doctors, but that's because if I say Dr. Barron and Dr. Barron, we won't know who I'm talking to, so the listeners know. So, Carrie, tell us a little bit why creativity is crucial for health and wellness and success. What really is creativity? Right. So, um, first of all, thanks so much for having us, and um, it's, it's great to be able to talk with you and to talk about this. Um Creativity is important for health because health has to do with authenticity, being your real self, your natural self. And sometimes we actually really aren't aware of what that is. And so when we get involved in creativity, some enlivened, vitalized part of our real self can come forth when we express our inner life and we get very interested in in the activity that we're doing. It, it, It could just feel good. It can lift mood. And in that sense, uh, it can help with mild to moderate depression or anxiety or just life-affirming. It just feels good. Well, you know, feeling good feels good for, for real. And so, Alton, you're an orthopedic surgeon. Tell me, and this may right. seem a weird question, but why are you involved in this, this creativity? Because orthopedics, by its very nature, is like you know, being a carpenter and it's very fixed and it's set pretty much. It's, you don't, it doesn't allow for too much creativity or am I wrong about that? Yeah, actually, uh, I know you know a lot about a lot of things, but in that way, I would say actually, depending on what kind of orthopedics you do, uh, it can be very creative. And also the way you approach it. I mean, there are, you know, everyone's different and I happen to be, uh, on the creative side, I think, uh, especially, I think Carrie can attest to that, and I've, I've learned a lot from her over many years together. But, but for instance, I do shoulder, elbow, and hand. And so the human anatomy is infinitely variable. Yes, there are commonalities, but it's infinitely variable. So every time I go in and operate, there are variations on the theme. And sometimes there are dramatic variations on the theme where I really have to think on my feet and make something up. And that would be the equivalent of improvisation, if you will, which we know is so important for creativity and jazz musicians, for instance. And that stimulates your brain in a much different way. And what I was going to add to what Carrie said was that because creativity is often a, a physical as well as a psychological action, the physic, physical aspect, whether it's a you know formal art project such as as painting.
painting or sculpting. You can also, most of us don't do that, but we do other forms of hand expression and creative works, whether it's cooking, whether it's gardening, uh, whether it's knitting. All these things are very, very important for our health and, and well-being. Well, that does make sense. And, and as I think of orthopedics and hips and knees, but shoulders have so much range of motion that I suppose it really could be considered a very creative outlet when you do that. And you have to be able to work on the fly. So Carrie, I mean, if he's a busy surgeon and you're a director of a resilience program, tell us a little bit about what you do and how we can build resilience because we're all looking for this. How can we use creativity to build that resilience and channel up some of this stress? Mm -hmm. So again, I'm going to return to, to the idea of, of the inner life and, you know, finding the strength that you have within you, because when you're involved in a, in a very absorbing task, sometimes a creative task, for example, or even a mundane task like washing dishes or gardening, you know, something that you know very well, knitting, something that you know very well, your mind can go free. And you, so insights will, will arise and you become aware of, you sort of have aha moments, you can, and you can have realizations or insights that help you make better choices and choices that are just better for your health. So um, I think you know sometimes things can make sense when you're in when your mind is relaxed. The the answer can come to you. So in in that sense, we build resilience by having a deeper understanding of ourselves and what we need to do and what works for us and what doesn't work for us, and trying to have a little bit more control in our everyday choices that can can make us feel stronger. Yes, and, and I would add that what I've learned, probably the single most important thing I've learned from, from Carrie in our many years together is that concept of insight, which is such a critical part of her book and, and of, I think, if I may be so bold, your work, Carrie, and that is that insight is that which allows us to make the good decisions, to know when we are making bad decisions and why we do that, and then to progress from that point in a more positive direction. And that is, I think, at the core of resilience, because when we are thinking more carefully and clearly about who we are and what we do, then that strengthens us and we make better choices, whether it's exercise, whether it's uh, uh, interpersonal relationships, whether it's job um, decisions, et cetera. I, oh. I agree, and I'll add to that by saying the truth sets you free. It really does. Okay, so that I agree with you both. And if if you work at a company that's you know where they don't have a big sense of humor, where it's really not that funny, your days aren't aren't. I am lucky in that I get to meet a lot of people and I get to talk about so many different things. But not everybody is that lucky. So how can we use creativity in the workplace for people? who, as I said, you know, work for a boss that, that doesn't laugh that much about stuff. Right, yeah. So if one feels that they're in an oppressive situation or a mundane situation, that can be a challenge. I, I understand that. It's, but there's a way to perhaps, there are little techniques. There are sort of meditational techniques 
breathing techniques where you return to yourself, to your own inner vibrancy, and you bring that into your day. You can do that several times a day. There are ways to bring a fullness and a presence to whatever mundane task you it is before you. And um, trying to do it fully or in a more interesting way for yourself. But I agree that that can be a challenge. But also there's an acceptance of the mundane sometimes, too, that we have to be almost like a peace with discomfort or a peace with what we can't control or a peace with getting through some getting through the day. And then making sure that when you're when you have time on your own, you're doing something enlivening, more enlivening. What about clutter? All right, and two things. Uh, well, no, no, go on. You, you say what you wanted to say because well, I think that this all ties clutter together. Is such a, okay, well, clutter is such a great topic, for, and, and Carrie has talked about that a lot. But the things I would add with that are two. One is that, to Carrie's point, is if you are involved in something that's that's not that enlivening for you in your work, then there's two things. One is a mind... Uh, position, which is that especially if you've developed yourself extracurricularly, if you will, or with whatever you're doing that might be more creative outside of that, that brings you great pleasure, then you can see that work as the means to the end, that it can feel good because you know it's providing for you, for your family in whatever way, and allows you to be more expressed and more fulfilled in other areas. So it can really feel good to be there. And secondly, uh, a chapter in, in, in the book is True Human Connections. There's nothing more important than having at least a core. It doesn't have to be the entire world, but true human connections that are real, they're non-virtual, and they are, you know, where you are hearing the intonations and feeling the person and, and really uh, have a deep uh, connection to them, and that can be life-saving. And I'd like to add, um, having a best friend at work, there's research on that, can can help you get through the day. It can. Now, so back to the clutter thing, because some people, they say that stress is increased if you're somebody who has a lot of clutter around you, and how can that, and especially at the workplace, how can we reduce that clutter to help reduce the stress and yet still maybe keep pictures of our kids or drawings that they made when they were little? And, you know, we want that creative outlet, but, you know, it's difficult to separate clutter from things that make us happy to look at. Mm -hmm. I think that's exactly the point. I think that there was a there was a movement, I guess maybe three or four years ago, where everybody was saying clear out your clutter and have a clean space and a clean, well lighted place. You know, I think that's the Hemingway story. I think that's the title of it. Anyway, I love I always love that title. Anyway, it's true that some people really need to clear their space in order to clear their mind in order to approach whatever writing or painting or task that they want to get very involved in. On the other hand, I've heard people say that having those pictures of your family or having those objects around in a disorganized, haphazard way sometimes can create a kind of comfort for people. So, again, it goes back to insight. It's knowing, knowing your style, knowing what works for you. Or knowing that something might work for you at one time, a situation, a, a, you know, a non-cluttered situation might work one time, and then a, you know, a cluttered situation another. 
Hmm. And yes, I, and yes, and I guess w- uh, what I would add is that uh, as a variation on the theme, about the only thing that's not cluttered in my life and in my office specifically, because I'm pulled in every direction, are my photographs of my family. That's the only thing that's sort of ordered and nice and consistent that I can look at. Everything else is just a shambles. And so so anyway, I guess that's that's the least clutter aspect of my office. Okay, but so you're very cluttered and very clear in the OR. <laughs> Well, of course, I mean, and it would lend itself to both of your careers that you would have to be very organized because you both have, you know, esteemed jobs. But as rules, regulations that we all have can kill our creativity. Carrie, give us tips. Tell us what to do to be more creative. Can we get up from our chairs and dance and sing around? Do we we've got these pictures up. We have maybe some organized clutter. What else do you want us to do? So I think it's, there's a simple simple step, and that is reach back into something that you fantasized about. Maybe you always wanted to play guitar. Maybe you always wanted to write. Maybe you thought about taking pottery. And then I would say, put it in your calendar. Give yourself, we call it a nudge. Um, it's a way to make it concrete because by writing it down and putting it in your calendar or making a commitment to going on Wednesday at 2 or whatever it is, you're more likely to do it. So there's research on that if you write it down. And the second thing is really tolerate imperfection, the humiliation of learning. Because what happens is a lot of people have this fantasy about talent, and they may actually have the talent, but it can take several days and several months to really build a skill so that the talent can be uncovered. So the point is to tolerate imperfection in yourself. Embrace imperfection. Stumble. Go for stumbling. And then you really might find that you can do something beautifully and with great joy. What an interesting thing you just said, because I will say this, Carrie, as a mother and and having the many jobs I have, you are exactly right. We, we strive for perfection, especially us women. And when our kids are little, oh, you want the house to be cleaned and you've got your job and you want your kids to be so well organized and you can't have it all that way because something's going to give. And sometimes that comes in the form of stress. So, yeah, y- sure. you know, how do we let sure. go of some of that? You said let go of it. How do we do that? So uh, there, there's this uh, idea, in, you know, I was trained as a psychoanalyst and it's, you know, we, we have this kind of harsh critic inside of us and we have to work on making that a more benevolent voice, a kinder voice inside. You know, some people call it self-compassion. I, I think it's just really important to make that intentional, to really understand that you can strive. Of course, we want to strive. We want to have goals. We want to do things well. But we have to be at peace when we, you know, re- it's reach for the moon and land in the stars. Mm. And what about you, Alton? You're a man. And yeah. men sometimes get a pass at the being perfection thing because we women, as she's talking about the negative self-talk that we inflict on ourselves all the time, even when we look at the mirror, you know, for a man, it seems like you guys have it a little, not easier. Now I would never say easier, but I would say a little bit more where you don't do that to yourselves, what we women do to ourselves. Am I right about that or no? no that's right. Uh, I, I think you're absolutely right. I think the the 
the harshness of the self-critic is far more um, far more developed in in <laughs> women in general, especially developed. mothers. That's good. And because you're just always, you know, you're always blaming yourself for things. And uh, and I think that that historically, culturally, that has been uh, far more the purview of women than men. That said, in my life, I get a I get a pass from and have gotten a pass from Carrie for certain aspects of that uh, beca- because I don't get a pass in my work. I mean, my work is very, um, you know, intense, and and I have a great responsibility to my patients to make them better and to and also just to be available for them. So I'm I'm at fault for being less available at times and I think I'm getting a little better but less less available at uh, for my kids and and for my wife and that's that's to my discredit. And so the 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 the, the that that super ego feeling of of judging yourself. I mean, I do judge myself, but I, I think not as harshly. But one thing I think that is an extension of that because when you are doing all the many multitaskings that you have described about yourself, and certainly Carrie has done, being both professional, but also being a mother, also uh, you know being at least one of the people uh, helping take care of a home and, and all the other responsibilities, then it, it, it's mind numbing. And and it, and the, and and as someone has said, and, and Carrie and I have talked about, is the the details can sink your soul. And so one thing I think that's very important, especially now in our culture where we are so connected technologically every second to everybody in every way, is to disconnect at times. And to Carrie's point, you know, remind yourself or set aside, it doesn't have to be that long, but just disconnect. Put the phone, turn it away, throw it in the garbage for a while, whatever you can do, disconnect from the emails uh, that, that are mounting and just go for a walk in nature, do something with your hands meaningfully, sit and knit, listen to music uh, the way we used to and no longer do, listen to a whole album and just um, and just disconnect from those worries and concerns and that hyper-connectivity that we have. That's rocking advice, Alton, because and in my household, that is what we do. We we have music on and sometimes we just all stop what we're doing and listen to the song or dance around or something because it, it kind of brings us all together. Now, Carrie, I'm going to ask you to I'll get you both a last statement, but wrap it up for us, because as your husband has just said, those are great ways. Take a walk, listen to music, disconnect, get creative, make your lists because that gets it off your mind. Give us just a few more of your best tips and tell us where we can find out more about you both. Well, I would just reiterate what what we've said so far. I think disconnecting, again, brings you into insight, brings you into the inner life. And and the inner life is a great resource for happiness and well-being and creativity because it will lead you to what you love. It will lead you to what you like. It will lead you to your natural and true self. And creativity is any form of creativity that you choose, whether it's music, playing guitar, as I said, you you know, cooking, making a soup, you know, domestic things, anything that brings you closer to what you love to do and when you really give yourself to it and do it well, that is creativity. And that is also a way to feel good. And so, um, yeah, I mean, the the book is on Amazon and... um, 
we're we're at Dell and and on the internet you can find us. And Alton, what about you? Because your wife is incredible, and I'm sure you know that. And and as you you know defer to her for this creativity lesson and resilient lesson, tell us what you would like us to know about what she has taught you about all of this. Yeah. Yeah, um, I, I think that one of the biggest things, and I think where she makes her mark every single day, is just being kind and being an amazing listener. And I think those two things can create a closeness and a richness to your life that that is 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 unparalleled. But also, I think that is, despite us all three of us in this conversation being clear perfectionist. Allow yourself, especially in those moments where you are unplugging and pursuing something that's more fun and more creative, allow the imperfections to be there and don't worry about it. That's the last place you need to be worrying about whether what you're producing or making, whether it's a soup or a song, is imperfect or not. It just doesn't matter because it's all about the process of doing it. And and I th- and the only other thing I would say about what she does is she has an amazing blog on uh, psychology today. She has uh, really millions of readers, and she just covers some topics that are really taboo. And I've I've seen some of the responses that are just that they break your heart uh, in terms of how she makes people feel a little better. And um, and so I would encourage anybody who's listening to read those some of those blogs that are on there. There are many of them that she's written on psychology today. And um, yeah, and, oh, and the only other thing I would plug for what what I'm doing and kind of one of my creative efforts is something called the Musician Treatment Foundation. It's a 5013C we started last year, and we provide free um, or subsidized uh, care, shoulder, elbow, and hand care for. Uh, under and uninsured musicians, and they were primarily based in Austin and in New York, but we provide from anyone and everywhere, and it's it's pretty cool. Wow, thank you both so much. Thank you. That's great information, and the book is The Creativity Cure, How to Build Happiness with Your Own Two Hands. Thank you both so much for joining us. You're listening to Life's Too Short. You know, so am I, but that's why we have to do everything you want to do when you want to do it. This has been great information. I'm Melanie Cole for RadioMD.com. Thanks for listening and stay well.